what is the sound? What sounds good with it? Especially if you're trying to like imitate, if you're orchestrating and using virtual instruments, then you have to, you know, really kind of think like that and be sensitive to the sound and, and respond to it and know, you know, what's appropriate and what, what's cool and what's not. Hello again, everybody. This is Craig Peters here from Sound Iron. And today on the Sound Iron podcast, we talk with keyboard player virtuoso Jordan Rudis. Voted best keyboardist of all time by Music Radar magazine, Jordan Rudis is best known as the keyboardist and multi-instrumentalist extraordinaire for platinum-selling Grammy-nominated prog rock band Dream Theater. He's been playing music since a very early age and was even accepted into the Juilliard School of Music at the age of nine. Even though he started off playing classical piano, he later developed an interest in synths and progressive rock, which led him to play with the Dixie Dregs and eventually the progressive metal legends Dream Theater. In this podcast, we talk a little bit about what he's up to with Dream Theater as they're currently in the studio right now working on their newest album. We also talk a little bit about his upcoming tour with Aldi Miola and much more. So without further ado, here's the podcast with Jordan Rudis. So it's really awesome to get to sit down and talk with you. Uh, you know, I'd like to know a little bit of, uh, you know, how things are going in the world of Jordan Rudis. Uh, things have been very, very busy. Um, it was a... Uh rocking summer on many levels just because there's so many things happening for one uh literally last night i just put the final uh touches on all the keyboard tracks for the new dream theater album which uh, is due out around february so uh we kind of celebrated that last night and of course it's still underway because there's a little bit more to go we're doing vocal tracks got to be mixed master and all that kind of good stuff really exciting i'm very pleased with what uh was laid down everybody sounds great it's um i think it's going to be a really strong album it's got a little something for everyone it's a little, a little heavier than than what we've been doing lately um all kinds of cool leads and riffs and like fun stuff <laughs> so that's exciting and then uh and beyond that i've been working really hard almost like simultaneously on a new solo album, uh, which is going to be coming out through Mascot, uh, which I don't have a release date for it right now. The Dream Theater album will come out before it. But at the same time, I'm almost done with that. We've been uh, working on mixes and getting that all together. Really excited about it. Got some great players, uh, oh, wow. guest players on it. Um, and this is a lot of fun, you know, fun stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm ha happy to be kind of like, like done with the dream theater tracks and now kind of like opening to the next chapter. I'm going to be going out and doing actually this, this month, I'm going to be going out and, uh, as a special guest of Al Demiola doing a bunch of West Coast shows and all the, yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah. Saw all that. the, all the dates are on my website. So people can mm -hmm. see it. Um, so it's all solo, like solo piano uh kind of shows for me that's awesome how, how did you actually hook up with El Demiola as far as working with him and, and doing the tour with him um i hooked up with this through uh, my agent um so the same group that books dream theater also books me a solo level and so <laughs> so they were, um, you know, kind of keeping their eyes open because I've been doing these solo shows of late, uh -huh. really enjoying it. So they uh, they found this nice, uh, you know, nice outlet for me to play, which is opening up for Al. So uh, it was offered to me, and I said yes. It sounds 
awesome. So I'm doing that. So that's in September. I think it's about nine shows, all West Coast shows. And cool. then, uh, and then I think, uh, tickets have already gone sale for, um, some shows in Japan. Not in front of the dates at the moment, but they'll be on my website soon. And that's in November and working out, uh, also details because it looks pretty much certain that I'll be doing some solo shows down in South America. So all that will kind of take up this period of time before, you know, Dream Theater's uh, tour comes up, which uh, should happen. Um, when are we going on tour? I think, like, I don't know, March, something like that. Yeah, oh, that's cool. After the new album comes out. Busy, busy, but fun time. Yeah, I know it seems pretty busy if you're working on all that stuff at one time. It's crazy. Um, speaking of Dream Theater, I've been a huge Dream Theater fan since I think like back in early 2000s. A friend of mine, he played me some stuff from Scenes from a Memory and it just blew my mind. I've never heard music like that before because before, you know, my idea of, you know, metal was like Pantera and Metallica and stuff. So like I remember when when hearing some of like because you guys do a lot of unison solo stuff with, you know, keyboards and guitars. And I remember thinking like it sounds like video game music. I was like, I've never heard anything like that. And it's just crazy that people are actually playing it. And uh, as far as the new album, uh, can you talk a little bit about the process as far as I guess the idea behind the concept and or sort of where you guys wanted to go? Because I know before that you guys did the Astonishing, you know, which is this big epic concept album and one of the things that i was wondering is when it came to this album and when you guys were writing uh did you guys have any did you guys have any sort of specific concept in mind or well yeah we our concept was not to create a concept album because as much as we loved the astonishing and so many people did it was also a bit uh polarizing for some of our fans some fans really embraced it and got it other fans were like what's this i don't get it you know, yeah. so when we came around time uh, to do this album, we were kind of like, OK, well, now we need to figure out what we want to deliver and deliver something that we would, first of all, love, because that's, I think, mm -hmm. probably the top of our list and should be the top of every artist list to create something that they're that, you know, they themselves really are behind to so want to do mm -hmm. that. So we kind of like dialed it in a little bit. You know, every now and then it's, it's good to try to get a perspective of who you are in this case who we are as a group and what what uh, it's all about and what's the core of what we do and you know what would be really fun for people to hear and what would we enjoy doing and we kind of came about recording this album from that point of view that like stepping back looking at it um you know and just trying to trying to uh create something that was really you know honest and and yeah. that we would all just really love so, uh, I mean, you'll, over the next, you know, two, three months, you'll be hearing a lot more about it, you know. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Like, so as far as so it's not really a concept at all, or is it more like each song is kind of more of its own identity and story, like different topics? It's not a concept album at all. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, because it's that's totally, you know, very different from sort of what you guys have been doing. And what's funny is that, like, uh, very different than any of the Dream Theater album we've ever done. Like, if you literally go onto Dream Theater's Facebook site right now, mm -hmm. you could hear, like, little moments of the music through, like, we just put up a little video, John Petrucci and I, of when I finished the keyboard tracks, and there's little bits 
in the video that kind of, yeah. you know, touch of a lead or touch of a chordal part. So we've never done that before where you can actually hear like a moment of the music, um, you know, just for fun ahead of time like that. So we're, we're a little bit, uh, more, we've been embracing a little bit more of this, of the social media scene and the idea of engaging with fans and kind of making yeah. it turn that into a fun and, you know, uh, productive way to, you know, have this album kind of build and then, of course, it's released. So, uh, that's, that's been interesting, especially for me because I've, I'm coming from a place of kind of embracing social media. Uh-huh. Way back when and doing like, you know, video, uh, chats with multiple people and at times when people didn't even know that existed. Yeah. Uh, you know, so for me to see my own group and everybody in it kind of become more comfortable with, uh, you know, with using social media and having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I just think that that's really, really cool. Yeah, and I think it's really great for the fans, too. I mean, I, I've been noticing you guys have been very active as far as that, too. And and you as well on Instagram. Uh, I've been seeing you post a lot of stuff. And it's funny, as a guitar player, I've been seeing you post stuff with you playing guitar, which it's crazy to see because... I'm so, you know, known with you being just this keyboardist. phenomenal, yeah, sure. phenomenal keyboard player. And it's like, I mean, I'm not a keyboardist. I mean, I kind of dabble a little bit, but um, seeing you now on guitar and actually it's like every little video I see you post, it just gets better and better. And it's, it, it's kind of disheartening. I'm just like, man, like it, it's, I totally understand it because I, I feel like the way that you approach an instrument, you know, being able to sort of carry that over mm. that you know, the, um, the dedication and the focus and, and the sort of applying the, you know, the practice elements and stuff. Uh, is that something that you've been kind of doing for your own music or? Well, I, you know, I've, I've played guitar off and on, mostly off for mm-hmm. many, many years. Ever since I learned to play the piano, I've kind of occasionally picked up a guitar, but never, there's only been a couple of periods where I actually would say that I was like practicing it consistently for any bit of time. It was always something where I could kind of play in a little bit every now and then I, you know, I would say to John Bertucci, oh, let me see your guitar a minute and try yeah. to remember where a few things were. But this most recent period of time, I was kind of like, you know what? I really want to start to get into this and I, you know, and focus on it because I have a, we can talk about it some in our conversation, but I have an app company, a company that makes software, and my latest uh, software is called GeoShred, and it's mm-hmm. a really cool piece of software for iOS, you can really shred on it, and the layout is very much kind of like guitar-centric, um, I mean, it has, it, it uh, when you play it, a guitar player would probably be the first one to kind of like recognize the layout on the playing surface. So yeah. I kind of felt like my brain was dialed into that and um, I thought I could translate that a little bit and it would help me when I go back into the guitar. So I've been, so I've been practicing and yeah, the, the, the best thing is I think when you're, when you're a serious musician and you play an instrument and you know how to practice, when, when you go to another instrument, it really, really helps because then you kind of have the, the discipline and the knowledge of what kind, what practice really means and what exactly how to improve. And certainly that's, you know, that's a, a, a great help to me on the guitar because I definitely can translate some of my, you know, exercises that I do, some of the types of thinking that I do behind practicing to the guitar. But it's not it's not like some miracle because the reality is that 
you know, certain things are common, like your fingers go down and they move flexibly and independently. But other things are so different. Like when you're playing guitar, you like will do pull-offs or hammer-ons. and Yeah, the different ways of articulating. And the rhythm of, you know, when you pick. And those are things that don't really relate to a keyboard. So mm-hmm. other completely other techniques that, I, that there is no real advantage for me, other than maybe I have a good sense of rhythm so I can... Absorb it as fast as anybody else would that has that. You know, the dexterity, yeah, that's a given. I have dexterity from playing the keyboard and maybe even some natural dexterity. That helps as well. Um, The the other thing that's, you know, um, been actually slowing me down a little bit with my guitar uh, efforts is that it's different muscles. Yeah. And I have this amazing custom eight string that uh, a builder uh, named Druskowski uh, has built me, you can see that on my website too, a beautiful yeah. custom, what we call the wizard guitar. It's a great eight string. And I really nice. got into playing that, but I realized that after playing it for a while, it's a, it's a big neck because it's eight strings. Yeah. It's different. So, so, so for me, who wasn't even like, you know, practicing a lot on six string at that point, just getting back into it, there's a lot to hold on to. Yeah. And I think I might have been pressing a little too, like grabbing a little too hard also just because I'm relatively new to, you know, to the whole thing. So I had to kind of like lay off a little bit and go, okay, well, that those muscles need to like relax. <laughs> I switched to like yeah. practicing on my six string and I got this um, really amazing Strandberg guitar. It's the, uh, the Prague model. That makes sense, right? Yeah. And it's very, it's very, very light and it's six strings. I've been practicing on that, working my way up, you know, slowly this time to where I can hold my eighth string without any kind of like discomfort. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey. It's been amazing. And I've always, you know, I've always kind of been very guitar conscious understandings. I have, you know, played here and there, but mm-hmm. the idea of vibrato and that kind of thing, which, which keyboard players usually don't think about too much has always been very natural for me, especially because of my, not only my background in playing the guitar occasionally through the years, but also because on all my software, all my musical instruments, uh, on iOS devices and other devices too, but all have this idea of vibrato or, you know, change one note, not the other one. You can bring in the, the you know, you can change whatever it is, the timbre of one note while moving another one differently, a vibrato, one note, not the other. All very, natural for a guitar player because every finger that goes down you're going to possibly do different things with but on a you know on a synthesizer or a keyboard yeah different kind of thinking usually so yeah that's one that's one thing i've always noticed with your playing is your ability to sort of mimic the phrasing of a guitar with you know with using the pitch wheel and stuff like that and and mimicking vibrato and like that's what you know so it kind of makes sense that you sort of have that kind of uh, like it's it's like being able to program drums when you're not a drummer. If you could think like them and then have have the ability, of, you know. But of course, you know you're physically doing it on a keyboard. But um, but, but yeah, so many of us keyboard players these days are responsible for like you know orchestrating. Yeah, you, you know because the, like your company makes so many different kinds of cool sounds, and every sound really has to be played in a different way. So as a keyboard player, you really have to 
become conscious of, okay, you're playing like a trumpet sound. And if you play like a low chord on it, it probably is going to sound ridiculous. Yeah. But if you phrase it a certain way and you're sensitive to what is the sound, what sounds good with it, especially if you're trying to like imitate, if you're orchestrating and using virtual instruments, then you have to, you know, really kind of think like that and be sensitive to the sound and, and respond to it and know, you know, what's appropriate and what, what's cool and what's not. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You have to kind of, have this conscious thing where because uh, each each library can be very different and you almost have to you know use it to its strengths sometimes you know you might get someone who gets a library and they just try to do something that's sort of out of bounds with what it can do so it's also too like learning how the library works and being able to use it how to approach it yeah exactly. and it's even it's even, you could even think like uh, just take the piano for example like you know when you when someone's playing the piano or they're composing for the piano the piano has a certain kind of uh, sonority or texture about it where you know you hit low notes and the low notes occupy a lot of space and the high notes of course are lighter so some people will like play like lower kind of chords um, and sometimes it's like, what, what are you doing? Like, that doesn't sound really that good when you start playing like in a, in a low register, kind of in a thick yeah. way. I mean, if you're Beethoven, okay, well then you can, you know, play a big chord and get away with it. But for most people, you know, you think about the piano and you think about the way that it sounds throughout the register. And usually you separate low notes. So, uh, you know, you think more like Chopin or WC that really yeah. work beautifully for the piano and you separate the, the notes a bit. So this space and then in the top part, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of like, it's the same kind of thinking as when you're, whatever instrument you're playing, uh-huh. conscious of where the frequencies tend to build up and resonate and overpower. Totally. You know, yeah. all, that, all that kind of stuff. And also, obviously, one of the big things is the, like the vibrato thing. I mean, like certain instruments, you know, it's all about like the vibrato. Like, you know, we tell our favorite guitar players all have their own unique kind of way to deal with pitch, you uh-huh. know, which is interesting. Like a Steve Morse on the guitar will be, he'll have a really fast you know, vibrato, and it's really, really cool, but it's fast. And like John Petrucci uh-huh. will do like a slower, kind of wider uh, vibrato, which is his signature. Everybody has their yeah. And that's how it's almost like how, or it is how we tell who they are. Like who you turn on the radio and you hear a certain style, and it's like the way they deal with pitch and volume that gives it away. So, and every yeah. instrument is like that. So, as a keyboard exactly. player, you know, it, you have to be sensitive to like what. Okay, what is a flute really doing? Is it changing pitch or is it like an amplitude like vibrato you gotta really listen and then try to you know like uh, well if you're tr- a lot of times you're trying to imitate because you want to do something orchestral other times mm-hmm. you're just creating something new which is cool too but it's yeah. uh, it's about being really sensitive to sound especially with using all the virtual <laughs> instruments which can be so powerful yeah if used correctly uh, getting into the orchestrating stuff, um, have you ever dabbled in film scoring or or writing for um, for orchestra for for picture or anything like that? Uh, I wrote a piece that I was just in the Czech Republic. I did a piece. It's like a concerto that I wrote. Um, it's called Explorations for Keyboard and Orchestra. Yeah. I played it in about four different countries. It's an orchestral piece, um, <clears throat> and. 
I'm the way that it came about is I mocked it up in my studio. I composed it. I made it sound good in my studio. <laughs> Excuse me. And then I went to uh, an orchestrator to try to make sure that, you know, I didn't write the trumpet an octave higher than it should play or, yeah. you know, if I wanted to play, a, if I play, if I heard a chord in my head on strings, I would just play the chord. Whereas, of course, you need to separate it out when you're yeah. writing for a real orchestra. And, um, uh, a long story short is that when I got commissioned to write that piece, I had found um, this wonderful young talent whose name is Aaron Bashku, who I've been working with for years, and uh, a Turkish um, orchestrator and keyboardist as well. So he's the one that I worked with, and he kind of took my arrangement and, and brought it for real orchestra. Mm-hmm. So um, beyond that, you know, most of the things I've done are like orchestrations, like with Dream Theater, where I'll, you know, even when we did The Astonishing, I mocked up everything so we would hear it and understand what it is and then handed it off to David Campbell, who then had a very clear idea of how of what we wanted because it was basically sounding pretty good right out of our studio. Mm-hmm. And of course, he was able to bring it home and do all his magic to it and make it right. Um so yeah, so I'm, I do a lot of orchestrations. Um, sometimes they're mock-ups. Other times they'll go on the record. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, as far as like film scores, I'm just and things like that. I'm uh, I've done a little bit, but and actually these days I'm I'm starting to position myself more towards that, towards the goal of doing more of that because I I look forward to you know spending. I'm, kind of natural at that although my focus has been recording and on the road stuff yeah kind of you know kind of putting the word out there to uh, to people that i'm going to be applying a little bit more energy to that so if there's any if there's any um you know film producers or directors out there who listen to our podcast they can don't be afraid to call (laughs) me i am interested to you know to talk about that because i think it's something that uh, has been kind of waiting to happen that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have all the chops to be able to do that. And I think, you know, even just your ability to just improvise, you know, really beautiful pieces, I think that, you know, being able to sort of see a particular emotion on screen, being able to sort of tap into that, because since you've you've done so much kind of conceptual work within, uh, you know, albums and, you know, having a story and then sort of trying to write the music to kind of fit that, Right. So I think it's just like, I think it's for me, seeing you get into that, it's just such a natural progression. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is, the reason I haven't done more is just a matter of time. I mean, and yeah. focus because, you know, every door in the music industry is different and you spend time kind of going through one and putting your energy into that. For me, it's about making records and touring. So, yeah. so the other things didn't get as developed. Um, but, you know, we've had a whole lot of fun and, and uh, certainly done a lot of kind of like scoring for like things in the dream theater world. And yeah, I've kind of come to a show very often there's cool things in the screen and we kind of do our own, you know, art form like that. So, yeah, especially during uh, I, I got to ca- uh, catch you guys. You guys came through L.A. and you were playing the Astonishing Live. And that was that was a really crazy experience because I never really seen anything like that, where it was just sort of. You know, you had all the crazy visuals going on that sort of tie in with with the story. And uh, so that was really cool. And um, getting back into the uh, explorations of the you know, keyboard and, and orchestra, what were some of the inspirations behind that piece? Because I was I was watching some of that and it just it's crazy how it just kind of goes all over the place. But it's so, you know, just musical. And oh, thanks. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I come from a classical background and it's really natural to, for me and, uh, important for me to kind of like put all those elements together. So, um, explorations is a really, um, strong kind of important was a strong, important outlet for me musically to kind of take my classical influences to blend them with the rock sensibility and anything else and create, you know, create that piece. So I was able to draw on my like Prokofiev, Stravinsky, you know, yeah. influences and mix that kind of with my like dream theater, you know, really super prog uh, influences and kind of put that together. So my, my musical composing life is really about, you know, fusing together all these elements. I've never been one to like be like a jazz musician or I'm playing like, you know, straight ahead rock. This is not who I am. It's maybe because I'm very spacey and, and, and open. And, you know, I, I'm always taking all the influences and kind of blending them together in my own way. Yeah. On my new album, I'm especially guilty of that because I've got some, you know, people will hear I've got some music that's like, I'm kind of referring to it as like hyper prog where it's just, where it's just nuts. You know, it's just a lot of meter changes, all kinds of sound colors, and it's crazy. Um, and for anybody who wants to go for the ride, I think it'll be really awesome. <laughs> you, have yeah. to be, you have to sign up for a ticket, you know, to go. It's not the kind of music, oh, you know, I'm cleaning my room, whatever else, kind of put this on over here and, you know, just listen to it in the background. Yeah. That ain't going to work. So, uh, but a lot of my music is like that. You know, yeah. so there's some stuff on my new solo album that I would say is very much like that, where it's you know, fairly demanding. But if you're a prog, you know, slash like electronic head and love to go for musical journeys, then I would highly recommend it. If I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. With all the different projects and people you've gotten to work with, uh, are there any musicians or, or types of things you would like to do? that you haven't done or is it more kind of like sort of what you're doing with the solo project? Is that kind of more like you being able to just kind of unleash everything that you've been wanting to do in, in uh, the span of one album? Well, considering that I have very few hobbies and I'm all about the music and I really am passionate about it. There's so many things within the musical space that I love to do that, you know, I can't, uh, that I don't always get to do enough of, and I never will because the reality is that I love to sit at the piano or record solo piano albums. Uh -huh. I love to play like almost like healing kind of piano music and, you know, not like to kind of soothe or heal myself, but also to uh, offer that music to everybody around the world to create this nice energy and to play, yeah. and to play classical music on the piano. Uh -huh. for sure. I love playing Chopin. I love playing Bach. So like even, even a different thing only within the piano realm. Uh, I love doing my, you know, expressive controllers, playing things like, um, the geo shred or the seaboard or the continuum. That's a whole nother thing. I have an mm -hmm. album that I released with Steve Horlick, um, which, uh, you know, just came out not that long ago. Intersonic, which is, uh, pretty cool. It's more a bit, uh, improvisatory based, kind of electronic music, but a lot of piano in it as well. Oh, okay. and, then all, and then all the rock stuff, you know, which is big, big part of who I am as well. Yeah. So I just, you know, every day I wake up and there's different things to do. And I, I'm, uh, and when I, and I'm not, you know, really busy doing what's on the absolute have to do this list, I'll sit at the piano and turn on like, you know, uh, uh live Facebook thing and just play for people and get a little international gathering going and yeah. on uh, improvising, you know, so. 
that's uh, kind of like my musical world. But but it, within it, there's certain you know there's definitely certain people that I love to bring into bring into it and to play music with, like you know my friend Marco Miniman, who's mm-hmm. such an amazing drummer who you know eats odd meters for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, or like uh, you know the last. Some, some albums that now I've been inviting Guthrie Govin to play. And, you know, those guys play together in the Aristocrats. Uh-huh. So, but Guthrie's an amazing guitar player. Oh, I just yeah. reunited with my, uh, my friend Vinnie Moore. I played a little bit for him on something he's got going. He played something for me and my new album as well. We do some trading. Cool. Uh, so yeah, lots of uh, fun stuff. I did a project, um, Kind of recently with um, Mohini Day, who's a, a young uh, bass protege from India, and uh, so that was really really fun. Matter of fact, I, I, it was a project of kind of putting together the world of Indian music and Western music, and using GeoShred as a focus. Worked with oh, this nice. great, great uh, producer, Geo, another GeoShred player. Um, whose name is Mahesh Raghavan, who's a wonderful uh, Carnatic musician, and he also embraces technology. And together we um, we put together this this really really cool uh, song that I wrote. We had a uh, a um, vocal percussionist that's called Kanakal. This guy B.C. Manjunath is one of the world's greatest like vocal perc- Indian vocal percussionists. Yeah, oh, okay. people can see that online. It's called Light Becomes Day. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really pretty fun and cool. So I like doing those kind of combinations, too, where where I work with musicians from other cultures because there's so much to learn from that. Oh, yeah. Fascinating, you know. So yeah, Are there, are there any musicians that you haven't had a chance to work with that you would really like to work with? Um, yeah, there's all kinds of people. Uh, some of them are not alive anymore, so it's just not oh. going to happen. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> right, right. Um, but like, you know, I, I mean, maybe one day I'll do something with Steve Vai, who I think is so talented. We've never really had a chance to do anything together. Oh, that would be cool. Good example of somebody. But I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know. It's really complicated because all of us, you know, all of us musicians who are out there working and have careers have a list of things that we have to want to do. And yeah. uh, it's difficult to make time for things that are just not like on the absolute top of your, you know, spectrum of personal that, you know, things that you want, need to do. Yeah. Where do you, where do you kind of see the world of keyboards going and, and just, you know, the keyboard technology? Cause I, I always see, uh, you know, sometimes you're, you have these different forms of technology of, you know, sort of taking, you know, the traditional aspect of playing keyboard or piano and just, you know, doing it in a whole nother way. Like, is there anything that you would like to see that hasn't been done? Yeah, well, I'm so involved with the technology and um, I, I still believe in the in in like performance. A lot of keyboard players are more, you know, about being in the studio and just kind of playing whatever parts are needed for a particular album. So they're not so much like performing keyboardists. You know, that's that's something that. Uh, unfortunately has uh has kind of minim- minimized over recent years you know it's there's not that many guys doing it but i feel like there's so much space for that i feel like it's a really important um kind of way to 
create music because the keyboards, first of all, they keep on getting more and more powerful. They're more and more flexible. There's things like seaboards that allow keyboardists to do all kinds of interesting things. Uh-huh. Um, plus the keyboards themselves are, are so powerful. There's so much you can do. So I'm very involved on the technology level where I see where I kind of help to shape the future of what these instruments will do. Um, and then on a musical level where I see, you know, ways to use them in new expressive, uh, ways where this, where you can accomplish musical expression that you can never do before. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that kind of takes practice and skill and time because you're working on technique to be able to take what's in your musical mind and make it come out of an instrument. A little bit different than just kind of like being in the studio and, you know, taking whatever amount of time you need to just kind of like figure out to play a part. Um, so I'm a big believer in like performance and technology and and moving forward and and being able to offer musicians, you know, the the um, kind of performance tools that will allow them to reach new levels of music. Yeah. So um, part of what I do is, um, you know, put a lot of energy out there toward towards um, you know continuing, making sure that that kind of is con- continues. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely a cool thing to sort of, uh, you know, to not be bound by the limitations of an instrument, especially with piano, because it's so it's so traditional. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, like I actually I actually got to play around with one of the the seaboard keyboards. I went to Guitar Center a week or so ago, and me and my girlfriend oh, yeah. were playing around with it. And you just you know you could just be on the bottom part and just tap it and then slide your finger, and you just get these crazy like it just completely changes. Yeah, yeah. It just does these sounds that you would never think anything related to a keyboard would do. And sure. it's, just, it's really awesome to sort of see, you know, where technology is going as, as far as, you know, because that, you know, being a guitarist, it's things I would not even really be able to do or sounds I would never be able to make. So it's just really cool to, you know, that tools like that are, are coming out. <clears throat> and that kind of thinking, what you played on the seaboard, is very much what I've been involved with for so many years, even before the seaboard existed. I had uh, created an app called MorphWiz, which was all about that kind of sliding and playing on a vertical grid on a playing surface and being able to morph between waveforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the, first, the first experimentation with all that kind of stuff was really on, done within the uh, multi-touch environment where you could have notes that, you know, have, are under different fingers and doing different kinds of things. Um, I don't know if you've ever, ever heard or seen Morphwiz, but let's see if I can just call it up real quick and you can hear it. Um, no, that's not going to happen on this. Maybe it'll happen on this device while we're chatting. Um, yeah, but Morphwiz was done a bunch of years ago, and it was one of the first ones to really allow for that kind of uh, expression. Mm-hmm. Looks looks like that, but um, but sonically speaking, it was this type of idea where you could play a note, slide, yeah, and also you can you know move your finger in the vertical uh, dimension across a note, and would. And you could also use the, the screen axis or the device axis to. There's all kinds wow. of. Flexi- and every note is independent, so one finger could be high, one could be 
one figure oh, wow. low. That was kind of, that kind of led the way to people starting to think about, well, okay, well, it's cool you can do it in software, but how are we going to create a hardware instrument out of this? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, kind of, That's crazy. Yeah, pretty pretty wild wild stuff. And of course, my newest. Uh, invention is the geofred thing which looks more like this kind of a thing right yeah i remember seeing that it almost looks like a fretboard like like the different little buttons look like frets like and and you can you can go and set it to different scales and stuff right yeah so like you know there's a lot of different sounds but the the one that people are drawn to a lot is this kind of ability to play leads and stuff so you can be like That's amazing. <laughs> That's super cool. Actually, for those people who don't know, so this is on a, on a this, I'm running this on an iPad right now, but it runs on an iPhone. And also, um, the cool thing is that in addition to the onboard sounds and this, all the sounds in this particular synthesizer are based on physical modeling, which is a mm-hmm. to create sound. Um, but it's also a MIDI controller. So much like a seaboard or something like that, all this kind of, this kind of cool sliding and, vibrato can be sent out to any synthesizer you like. So whether it's a sound iron virtual instrument, you just basically allow the uh, this you know device to talk to your computer, and uh, it will you know do all the kind of cool pitch bending and stuff that this will do. It's That's a very awesome. it's a very intelligent. Uh, without getting into details, one of the things that makes this really cool is that it's totally fretless, right? Yeah. But, but when your finger does go down in a note. It's going to be perfectly in tune, and as soon as you start to move, it'll track your finger. So when you slide from point A to point B, like let's say I go from G to D, which is that, when I start on G, it'll be in tune, and when I slide, it'll make a perfectly smooth slide. When I end up on B, it'll be in tune again until I start to move. So if I slide and then stop my finger, it'll tune up, and then as soon as I move, it'll it'll, um, do the thing so you can be like, you know, play and then slide back in tune, and then I can move a little. So it's really... Yeah. And it's also, you're hearing the sound, I'm exciting the physical model by doing vibratos. You can hear it's kind of almost like feeding back. Mm-hmm. So I'm, giving, I'm giving energy to the model, just like a guitarist would give energy to a string. By yeah. Vibrato. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like some of the stuff that I, that I think about. And a lot of that kind of sliding stuff has been in my life for a long time, ever since, like I said, Morphways. So, mm-hmm. like, the Seaboard, when I started to work with those guys on that, it was like a, it's a, it was a natural development from, from me. 
the seaboard is a it was a brainstorm of my friend Roland Lamb, who's a very creative and smart guy who was at art school when he had the idea for this and started to do these silicon pours that mm-hmm. would, like make this instrument and he just you know he just kind of went from there. But uh, for me, it's like a, a natural development to put some of that kind of sliding stuff underneath. Yeah, like a keyboardist's hands to uh, you know to be able to make music like that. Yeah, because that's one thing a, p- a piano will never do. You can never go in between microtones and just being able to sort of shift between that. So that's really cool. And exactly, the other instrument, one of the other ones that I play is this one. It's not plugged in at the moment, but this is a li- uh, made by Roger Lynn. It's called a Linstrument, and this one has these little like square kind of like places where the notes are. But you can slide left to right as well and get oh okay do vibrato and it will also. Uh, do pressure so it was touch sensitive and all that i think i remember looking into one of those i was looking for some uh some midi controllers because um stanley jordan i got really into him because he does the whole two hand tapping thing and he used to have this uh this crazy instrument it it looked it looked it wasn't necessarily like it looked like a guitar but each fret where it would like be a string on that fret was like little push buttons and you can kind of change the sound into whatever you want i think eventually i think alan holdsworth used to have oh the synthax yeah he used to have something sort of similar and i think i was looking into one of those because i was trying to find something that had that kind of you know something sort of close to guitar with you know not necessarily strings but not necessarily keyboard so yeah yeah um, what was the what was the instrument that um i remember i used to see some old videos of you it was like a big red keyboard that had kind of the same thing like you'd be able to sort of yeah that's called the continuum yeah that one's really cool yeah there's some good video of me playing that uh online like with dream theater and in other places too um yeah that's a very amazing beautiful instrument very sensitive kind of a flat surface made out of a neo it's a neoprene surface like the kind of stuff a diver would wear but same concept where each finger is its own independent entity you can move up or down or slide do vibrato or press in and from a midi point of view what's happening is that every note you play and which is what i'm about to say is the case with all of these instruments where every time your finger goes down it's basically on a different midi channel so the mm-hmm. so the information is getting sent out separately. So one finger will move and you know send out a pitch bend, while the other one's maybe moving vertically, and that's sending out some other continuous controller. So all these instruments work similarly, whether it's a seaboard or a instrument or a continuum or a geoshred. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, on that note, with besides blowing my mind with some impromptu, impromptu geoshred, uh, <laughs> I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me and it's really cool to see all the amazing stuff that you're working on and uh you know as a fan i'm definitely looking forward to seeing you guys coming out you know after the new dream theater album comes out seeing you guys live and you know it's gonna be a really cool album i'm pretty sure very good well thanks so much for having me craig i appreciate being on your podcast and uh look forward to seeing you and everybody else on the road when we hit when we hit the road awesome thanks again cool all right bye And if you'd like to stay up to date with everything that Jordan's working on, make sure to go to jordanrudis.com. As always, we want to thank you guys for tuning into the podcast. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please make sure to subscribe so you can catch all the episodes as we post them. As we're always trying to bring you guys awesome content and really great interviews with really awesome composers and musicians. And also, if you do enjoy these podcasts, please make sure to spread the word. Tell your friends. If you find us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, make sure to like us, rate us, give us a review, and let us know what you guys think. 
So until next time, I want to say thanks again for listening, and we will see you soon.